coming to you from Jonesboro, Tennessee, the storytelling capital of the world, and broadcasting from WETS 89.5 in Johnson City, Tennessee. It is a Storytown radio show. Thank you, everyone. All the stories tonight come from folks living right here in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains. I'm your host, Leon Overbay, and with me tonight is my co-host, Lori Olmstead. Thanks, Leon. You're in for some tricks and treats tonight, everyone, in our annual Haunted Jonesboro episode. Tonight, we're hopping on the train on the railroad that Doc Cunningham built 150 years ago. We're not stopping right at Jonesboro, but a little bit past. And we're not stopping at the year the railroad was built, but a little bit past. Although, one of the characters in the story was born right about then, in 1850. Miss Margaret, a woman known by everyone in the tiny little community nestled in the knobs and hollers. She is known by all, and yet friendless. Ah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. The year is 1935 middle of the Great Depression, the height of the initial years, FDR, WPA, CCC, FWP, all tied into the New Deal. America was slowly getting back to work, building, restoring, recording. The railroad, for richer or for poorer, conveyed the eager workers looking for work wherever they could find it. The rich rode in the well-appointed cabins. The poorer rode the rails, leaping onto trains as they chugged out of town, jumping into boxcars up on top. This was not a safe or easy thing to do. Jonesboro's own Alfred Greenlee recalls how his older brother was killed, falling off of a moving train as he was making his way north to find work. But again, we're, we're getting ahead of the train. Here it comes now. I'm not going to tell you which station this train has just pulled into. Superstition. Maybe more. You never know if descendants from these stories might still be around. Well, exactly. So we're somewhere outside of Johnson City, Tennessee, in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains. Excuse me, ma'am. Know where I might find some work around here? Does it look like it? We don't have more than tobacco farms and dirt roads. You'd be better off riding a little further on. That's what they said in the last town. I'm sure they did. The sharp words didn't have the same effect as when he first began his quest the year before. He stood deciding which direction to walk when a humming sound pulled his attention away to see an old lady on the porch of a house almost hidden by overgrown bushes. Ma'am, I'm not here to beg. I'm looking for work. If you got something that needs doing, in exchange for a meal? She turned her attention away to something that buzzed past her, and Eugene watched as the old woman leaned over the railing to catch a lightning bug and then put it in a mason jar to join at least a dozen others. She landed her gaze on him again. What's your name, son? Where are you from? Name's Eugene. Used to come from Alabama. Now, I don't know where I come from anymore. Well, Eugene from Alabama, I have pine straw up on the roof. You can clear that away, but not on an empty stomach. Nothing fancy. Biscuits and ham. I sure do appreciate it, uh, Mrs. Uh... Margaret. Margaret Wright. Oh, listen to the sound of that. It's been so long since I've heard my own name spoken out loud. It sounds strange. 
Well, I appreciate it, Miss Margaret Wright. Well, it's coming up on dark, and I'll carry these up so I can start now. Here, take this so you don't eat alone in the dark. Huh, a mason jar with lightning bugs. That's some lantern. They're to keep you company. Let them go in the morning. If you can use the jar in your travels, you're welcome to take it. Doesn't weigh much empty. And if it's ever full... Then I could be grateful for the weight of it. Thank you. All you're teaching them is to keep coming back to beg. We got a hard enough time here feeding our own without taking care of everybody else. It's my door they're coming to, not yours. They're strangers. There's no telling what they want here. They're hungry and looking for work is all. You got a boy out there looking for work? What do you know about my son? He's following the work on the rails. What makes him any different? I can rest assured that he is not begging. But say he's hungry. Wouldn't you want someone to help him? Those men are somebody's sons. I'm only doing what my mother would want me to do for any child. Don't you want someone to help your son? What? What do you mean by that? What do you know about my son? Nothing. Nothing. Just if your son needed help, wouldn't you want him to get it? All the color drained from the shrill woman's face, and her knees felt weak, but only for a moment. She drew in a deep breath and then blasted back. I will not be lectured by a woman who who has never had a child of her own, so don't you be calling anything down on my son. I'll be leaving now. I've got to get another jar for my lightning bugs. I can catch some for you if you like. Suit yourself, then. Back at the train depot, another stranger tried to make her way through town. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. I'm looking for... Sorry, I can't help you. Uh, Excuse me, sir. I'll tell you like I told the last 50 folks come by here. Ain't no work to be done. Well, I'm not looking for work. At least not anymore. I'm looking for a person. Relative? No, just a person of interest. Person of interest? What kind of talk is that? Well, the first on my list is Miss Margaret Wright. Can you direct me to her house? Why are you looking for her? I want to talk with her. I'm with the Federal Writers Program. What do the feds want with anyone here? Nothing, except to get a story. Mr. Aaron said I could find her this way. Well, you won't find her here. Neither will the feds. Good day to you, ma'am. But, sir... Please! Oh! Excuse me, ma'am. I'm with the Federal Writers Program, and... I I ain't got nothing to do with no feds. Y'all done come down out here and broke my husband still. He wasn't doing nothing wrong except make himself a little drink. You don't understand. I'm not a federal agent. I'm with the... You're not from here, are you? No, ma'am, I'm not. I'm here for my job. I'm with the... I've heard by now. The whole town knows you're with the federal government. The Federal Writers Program, part of the WPA. I'm here to interview people for the Folklore Project. I'm gathering stories and... Who are you? I just said I'm with the Federal... Not who you're with. Who are you? Where are you from? Who's your people? Uh, My name is Grace McCune. I'm from Athens. And my people... I don't have any people. Must be hard. No, I'm used to it. Mother died when I was young, and then ten years ago, Daddy... Hey, 
I'm the one supposed to be asking the questions. And soon, I'm on a deadline. The editor expects my interviews by the end of the month. I just blew two weeks in Etowah. It took 10 days to find out that the person I was looking for was 30 minutes away. But nobody gives clear directions around here. Why should they? Excuse me? Why should they? We've had a lot of experience, folks like us, with folks like you coming in and taking what's ours. Why should we help you take more? Well, I'm doing this for the people here. Capturing their history before it gets lost. It's for your own benefit. You're the one on a deadline with a paycheck. It's for your own benefit. So, Miss Federal Writers Project, you take our stories and you get a paycheck. What do we get out of it? Well, you get your history. Preserved. The old way of life, that's changing. We, I mean, the Federal Writers Project, we want to make sure that we get this moment while we still can. There's old folks down here who still remember the Civil War days, slavery, and the coming of automobiles, electricity, airplanes. That's who I've been sent to interview. Imagine being someone who's seen all that. <laughs> Honey, I don't have to imagine it. I've lived it. You're that old? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I, I didn't mean it like that. Oh, yes, you did. And it's okay. I'm old. You get past a certain age and you can stop thinking about getting old. And you finally quit thinking about being younger. And you just are. It's a good place to be, Grace. You're so young, and you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not that young. I'm 31. <laughs> Honey, I have shoes older than you are. <laughs> just got them broken in. You don't even know that. You're just now on the edge of living. Margaret took Grace's hand and walked with her to the bench. The two sat together and looked down at their pair of hands, old and young, past and present, black and white. If you want to know something about someone, look at their hands. The face can mislead you. There's all kinds of tricks. A little powder can take the tired out. A little lipstick can make a girl into a woman. A smile can hide the hurt. But when you see a face you're never quite sure, especially since most people wear more than one, but look at the hands. They tell a story. See these? These hands have held the reins to a team of mules. They've held the wheel of an automobile. They've drawn water from a well and turned the faucet on a sink indoors. They've lit kerosene lamps and pulled the chain on my new electric lights. They've held more things than I can remember, and some I can't forget, no matter how hard I try. I'm old, and you know what? What? It sure beats the alternative. <laughs> there. Your lantern is finished. Nature's electricity. Take this and let them out in the morning. There's fresh jasmine in there. They love that. I call this hope in a jar. It can be the darkest of dark nights. Then their little lights glow and remind me I'm not alone in the dark. Talk about dark nights. It's getting that way fast. Where do you plan on staying? I'm not sure. So there's no hotel? A woman down the street, she takes in boarders. If you don't have a lot of money, you can do jobs for her. Get to know people, Grace. Don't go in as the Federal Writers Project. Just go in as Grace. I'm tired. Good luck with your stories. Thanks. 
almost forgot. Uh, you know my name, but I forgot to ask. Who are you? Excuse me. You a friend of hers? Uh, no, ma'am. Uh, I'm not from here. She was just helping me get on the right track. Best be careful. She'll help you get on a track with a train coming right at you. Oh? You look nice enough. Let me give you some advice. Keep away. She gives the witch of the Nola Chucky a run for her money. The witch? Of Nola Hooey? The Nola Chucky. Ooh. Well, that sounds like a story. That's what I'm here for, to get local legends. Hmm. Some people might say it's a legend, but my papa knew a farmer out past Chucky. It would have been about 50 years ago, around about 1885, who lost his mind on account of the witch of the Nola Chucky. Excuse me, uh, just a second. Let me pull my notebook out. I'm with the federal, uh, I mean to say. My name's Grace, and I'm working on a book. Can you tell me more? I still remember my papa telling me about the night he found that farmer. There was a rolling store that come through. One of them traveling salesmen that had everything from liniment oils to overalls and perfume. He come by here and we bought a few things and sent him down to the next farm over. When he left there, it was getting late. The farmer invited the salesman to spend the night, but he wanted to get further on his way. The farmer told the man about a cave near the Nellichucky along the way the man was traveling. About four hours later, a bit before midnight, here comes driving up the path to the farmer's house, the rolling wagon and the horse with a wild look in its eyes. The farmer took off on horseback towards the direction he sent the salesman. The moon was bright and he could see ahead along the banks the figure of a man lying on the ground. The farmer got off his horse and went to the man who just lay there with his eyes staring blankly at the night sky. We'd all heard about the witch out there that drove men mad but never believed in her till now. He wrenched down to the salesman and he heard a sweet voice. He'll be all right. Turn around and talk to me. I haven't had company in a long time. Now the farmer knew from the stories that what drove men mad was to look the witch in the eyes, so he tells her, I just want to get this man to a warm place. Then she spoke even sweeter. Sit a while. And talk to me, please. <laughs> and he felt cold, bony fingers touch his shoulder. He froze, determined not to turn around. Then the breeze caught the trees and the moon glowed in his face. He turned to look at the moon, and when he did, there was her face. He thought for one moment to look away. But it was the last sane thought he ever had. Two days later... The traveler found the two men laying on the ground, eyes fixed on the skies with all the senses drained out of them. They never, ever came out of it. That is a really scary story. I'll make sure I don't go out that way at night either. And if you know what's good for you, you'll stay away from that house over there too. Mama, Mama, is it dinner time yet? I'm hungry. We finished our chores. I want fried chicken. Excuse me, the kids need feeding. Thank you. Oh, I didn't catch your name. It's Angie, Angie Mulder. Good luck on your project now, I got to go. Mama, I'm starving. I said I'm coming, child. <laughs> Will the hungry child be fed? 
Will the witch of Nolichucky strike again? Stay tuned. This time of year with all the legends, where you're not sure where the fact begins and the story takes over, I bet it drives at least one person here crazy. I'm talking about the director of the Heritage Alliance, Deborah Montanti. We have her here every month on a segment we call Ask the Historian. So, Deborah, come on up. Thanks, Leon. I appreciate the opportunity to separate the facts from the mythology. Well, our team has been out listening at the haunted houses and storytelling events, and we've got quite a list we want to talk about with you. Some of them are so outrageous. <laughs> I know, Leon. We hear some of these stories, we just shake our heads and laugh. Okay, first, first, Davy Crockett's log cabin, still standing a couple of miles from Limestone. Folks for centuries say that they've seen his ghost there, but I question that. Well, yes, I agree. Because Pam and I went out on a trip out west and visited the Alamo, and there were people out there that say they've seen his ghost at the Alamo, and I, I really question that, too. How can a ghost be two places at once? Seriously, Leon? Well, well, That's your question? Well, well Deborah, where, where, do, where do you think the ghost really is? Are people at the Alamo just making up this ghost is there when he's really here in limestone? Which is it? Leon, nobody even knows if ghosts really exist. Well, obviously they do if there's people seeing them at the Alamo and, and back here. The, so, so which ghost is the real Davy Crockett? I, I, have, I have an idea, Leon. Maybe he spends the winter months in Texas where it's warmer. <laughs> Well, yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. That makes no sense whatsoever. Listen, let's just, let's just leave Davy Crockett. Yeah, let's hear about Andrew Jackson. Great, because we never hear enough about him. The historic Chester Inn, right next to the Storytelling Center, built in 1797, the oldest business in continuous operation in Jonesboro. Three presidents slept there. That's true. Andrew Jackson, Andrew Johnson, and James K. Polk. And now, some folks say they've seen Andrew Jackson's ghost out on the balcony. So is it true or not? Well, I've certainly never seen him. I don't know anybody who's ever seen him, but I can tell you this. If Andrew Jackson is retracing his steps in Jonesboro, he's on the wrong porch. That porch wasn't built until 1883. <laughs> well, well, other famous people stay there, too, not just presidents. I even heard that Hank Williams' ghost is there, and, and that, that was the place where he died from a gunshot wound. Just ridiculous things like some people want to believe. I've heard that one, too. That is truly ridiculous. It sure is. Hank Williams didn't die of a gunshot wound. Exactly. So, Deb, that's why you're here. Set the record straight. How exactly did Hank Williams die at the Chester Inn? He didn't. He did, too, die. <laughs> yes, Randy, he did die. From what? I honestly don't know. Now, Deb, a famous musician dies at the Chester Inn, and you don't have the records to check? Randy, there are no records because Hank Williams did not die of a gunshot wound or anything else at the Chester Inn. Well, then this is incredible. I have to call the news team. Hank Williams didn't die at the Chester Inn. This must mean he's one of the walking dead. This is huge. Randy, he's not the walking dead. You're jumping to conclusions again. I thought you learned your lessons last year when we talked about that overly hyped cholera story and a supposed mass grave. Aha! So there is a mass grave from the cholera epidemic. <sighs> there is no evidence of a mass grave. But you just said there was. Oh, I see. Uh-oh. What do you see? Of course, it's all so clear now. Why? I'm just seeing the connections. 
the mass grave from the cholera epidemic was never found because there is no mass grave. Exactly. Finally. Because they all must be walking dead, too. Thanks for clearing that up, Deb. No, yeah, no, thanks, wait, Deborah, no, for no, your very no, exciting no, installment no, on Ask the Historian. I give up. <laughs> Up next is a piece we wait for every month from our junior writing team. Please welcome Ashling and Amanda with a Backyard Garden Report. Thank you, Leon. A baby possum was recently seen crawling on the front porch. Because they have such bad eyesight, he couldn't see us through the window, but we could see him. He kept on sniffing up in the air, smelling the suet feeder hanging for the birds. He eventually left into the woods. New progress on the family of barred owls have been noted. I encountered them at the bus stop early one morning and was even able to capture their calls. Lately, they have been feeding on an orchestra of crickets that reside under the trees. One baby has been spotted, but if they have any other siblings, I have no way of knowing because barred owl mamas are territorial. If you ever encounter a nest of these rather anxious owls, be sure to keep your distance or you'll be at risk of getting attacked. And recently, a family of hungry raccoons appeared on the back porch. The four large furry animals were enjoying the cat food that was left uneaten, but they have abandoned that now that our 19-year-old cat, Boo, recently passed away and we are no longer setting out cat food for her. Now they just eat the bird feed. As the months continue on, nature never stops persisting with its cycle of change. October brings the bloody massacre of leaves. The bloody massacre of leaves is a slow yet triumphant battle that continues on until December. Leaves bravely fight against the change, but their persistence is pointless. They are doomed to turn blood red, gut orange, and well, I won't go into detail about the shades of brown. <laughs> in other words, the leaves are changing colors, folks, and we're in the best place anyone could possibly be during October, the mountains. Be sure to snap a few pictures of this magnificent color change and take a stroll outside to view the beautiful shades of the leaves. That's it for this month's Backyard Garden Report. What's going on in your backyard? Probably more than you think. This is Ashling and Amanda. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in. Thank you, girls. We now join Grace, who has made her way to the boarding house. I was told there might be a room here. Oh, yes, ma'am. You'll have to talk to my mother about that. Mama! Lori, is something wrong? No, Mama, nothing's wrong. This is, um... Uh, I'm with the Fed... Uh, that is to say... I'm Grace McCune. I was told I might find a room here. I do have one more room available. We've got indoor plumbing, of course. There's a bathroom on your hall. You'll share it with my daughter. Meals are served family style at 5.30 and no pets. Rents are due on Monday morning at the start of each week. Yes. And um, I'm in the middle of a project right now, so I don't have the rent in advance. But I do have a job. I'm working on an assignment right now. Lots of people are in the middle of a project these days. How long do you plan to stay? I've got some people to interview for a book I'm working on. I need a place to stay until I can find them and interview them and, of course, write the story. And I mail the stories to the editor in Nashville, and then he pays me, and, and then I can pay you. Okay. Well, now you've got me curious, though. Who exactly is it that you've been assigned to interview? Oh, I have a list. There are quite a few names. Miss Margaret Wright is at the top. Margaret Wright? Yes. Do you know her? Oh, goodness. No, no, no. Let me see this list. Oh, these folks are much better. I know him, and I know her daddy. Oh, this one's dad. Um, and this one is up the road. Oh, I can point you in her direction. Better yet, 
Get up early and catch a ride with the milkman. She's on his route. And hmm, if this is the Lynn Sandman I know, she's really old if she's still alive. Yes, she might be able to share about the old days and reconstruction and things like that. She was sick last I heard, so I'm hoping to get her story before she... I mean, in any case... Yes, I bet she's full of stories, but mostly about family. These are just ordinary folks. Oh, it's a book about what ordinary life was like back in the old days. I want to see what they remember about when the country came together again and about all the changes. Well, I wish you luck, but I don't know anyone who'd want to hear about that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Oh, of course. Second room down the hall. No keys. We never lock our doors. Sleep well. Stan, the milkman, woke up to begin his day. There's late at night and early in the morning, and to most people, his early morning is their late night. Doesn't do much for his social calendar, but then again, he didn't have anyone to be social with. Nobody keeps a milkman's hours. Hey, buddy. Can you help a fellow out and pass me a bottle? Here, on the house. Thanks. <coughs> what you trying to do, poison me? What's, what's wrong? Is, is it sour? Oh, no, my stock. There's milk in this bottle. <laughs> what kind of a joke are you playing? Ask a man for a drink and he gives you milk. Thanks for nothing. Morning, Stan. Got that extra buttermilk I asked for? I'm doing fried chicken on Sunday, you know. Got it here. You're out here early. Well, I wanted to catch you. A person staying here wants to talk to some people on your route. Can you give her a lift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've got a heavy load today. Tell her she can ride along if she meets me by the time I get to the end of that road. Tell her seven minutes flat. Not a second more. The milk can't wait. Oh, good morning. I'm afraid I slept a little longer than I expected. That room is so comfortable. It'll take me just about ten minutes to get ready. Stan said he can't wait a second more than seven minutes. Seven, ten, close enough. <laughs> he said you can meet him at the end of the street, way over there. I'll try to hurry, but my typewriter is the only thing that'll slow me down. It weighs a ton. I'll come back and pick you up. That's no problem. Thanks. I'll be right back. I thought you couldn't wait. I sure can't. Stan picked up Grace and continued to do so every day. As she checked off the people on her list, the days were getting more efficient as Stan knew the daily routines of most of the people she needed to talk with. He'd take her by the early risers first, and then to the folks who woke later. Well, Grace, how was this last stop? Spooky. That's, is it because it's October that I'm hearing all these legends? Well, I wish I could say yes, but we do have a lot of strange things around here. Why? Listen to this from three sisters remembering their younger days. We grew up, we in, grew a up house. in a house up on Cherokee, two doors down from where our grandmother lived. A lot of weekends, we would get to spend the night over there. The room opposite where we slept has an old porcelain doll collection. Some were hers and some of them were even her mother's, which would be my great-grandmother. She likes to take them out and show them off for us. Look at this one. Isn't her dress pretty? Yes, Grandma. Is that real silk? It certainly is. And look at the little hand-sewn leather shoes on this one. 
I always thought she was special because I wore shoes and a dress just like it. <gasps> and look at this one, the detail on the face. Um, yeah, let's put them back now. I'm done playing. Okay, honey, I got to go check on those cookies in the oven anyway. The doll, the oldest one, with the details painted on the face, almost human-like. It scared me. Me too. When I went to sleep at night, the room to that door was cracked just enough so I could see in, and it almost felt like that one doll was watching me. I was fine with the others. Well, one night, I was 15 years old. I spent the night with Grandma, and there was a wicked storm outside. Huge lightning, and there was a tornado that night. I think it hit Greenville. The power was out, but the lightning was flashing, and I saw the face, the doll, and the lightning flash. But then, with each flash, it looked like that doll was in a different place. Crash, crash, crash! The lightning flashed and the doll moved! We ran to Grandma's room and spent the rest of the night there. When I woke up, I thought maybe the storm scared me so much that I was seeing things. But when I got to my room, the doll was perched, sitting on the nightstand exactly to where I would have been sleeping. It just gave me chills. But some of them were funny. Like, you know, when you took me to Jonesboro yesterday. Let's see. Yes, here. I own and operate a bed and breakfast. It is in the oldest building in Jonesboro and on lot number one, built in 1790. It's just across the railroad track next door to the Salt House, which was originally the Masonic Lodge. It wasn't always a bed and breakfast, but has always been a place where people lived and stayed. I had visitors tell me, only male visitors, that some nights they hear giggling girls or women in the late hours of the night. Our female patrons have never heard them. The giggling women are reputed to be ladies of ill repute. <laughs> I've never heard them myself, but I tell you, after my husband passed away and I was alone in the house, if I went upstairs at night, with every step I climbed, I would sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. I see what you mean. Well, here we are at Cleeter's house. Maybe you'll get something more than an old wives' tale from him. I'm going to bring him his milk and tell him who you are and see if everything is all right with him. Dan was checking in with Cleeter. All set. You can come on in. Thank you so much, Stan. You don't have to wait for me. I'll spend time getting to know the town more while I walk back. Well, okay. Well, then goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, same time tomorrow? Maybe you can tell me some more stories I'd like to hear. I mean, you know, uh, everyone likes to hear stories, right? Right. I'll pack a lunch, I mean. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> tomorrow, then. Well, little missy, come on in. You must be Mr. Murphy. I've been for the last 60 years. Oh. Uh, my notes say that you were 78. I am. Folks started calling me Mr. Murphy when I turned 18. <laughs> Before that, I was plain Cleta, which I prefer. <laughs> so how long have you lived here? Uh, in this house? About a few years. It's only been six months, Daddy. They come, they come, and, and uh, one day, and they move me out. 
uh, like an old man can't think for himself. You can think for yourself just fine, Daddy. You just weren't cooking or cleaning for yourself. I never told you how to think and wouldn't try. But I cooked for you when I was young. That's all I'm doing now. She's got a mouth on her. That <laughs> I can still hear you. I know it. That's why I said it. <laughs> well, this is a really nice place. If you say so. And it's pretty new. You have running water, electric lights, modern. Where you lived before, is this a big step up from your old place? Let me tell you something. I lived for years in the house where I was born, and that was my haven. And that's where you hid from the bogus. And some folks don't understand is that old don't always mean spoiled. Grace gave him her attention, her time, her care. He began to remember about what life was like 70 years ago. He could remember being a little boy in the Reconstruction days, where his town was still under martial law after the Civil War. He began to remember, he began to talk, and Grace began to write. Each day, the stories she gathered were just as rich. I'm from over in Elkton. There's an abandoned 19th century bridge that stands 100 feet over the Elk River. No one goes on it anymore. One night, a mother and her infant child were crossing in their carriage. The carriage wheel broke, flipping the carriage over into the river. Both passengers died. To this day, you can go out on the bridge at night and hear the eerie cries of the baby for her mother. Did you hear about the witch? Of the Nolichucky? Yes. No, in Rockvale. In the early 1800s, there was three women who were condemned as witches and buried in the dire cemetery. This region seems to cast a lot of women out as witches. What were their crimes? Just odd, I guess. No one can really remember. But that's not important. See, at night, when you go out there, strange things still happen. You can hear voices or, or feel something touch you or grab you. Some people feel their faces being scratched by something like straw broom when they stood near the cedar trees at the front gate. And there were reports about these strange red balls in the middle of the cemetery near the cluster of cedar trees. The balls rise up from the trunks, rise up to the tops of the trees, and then disappear. You can hear voices and see apparitions for most of the year. I went to Flintville Elementary School before we moved here. The school was where the railroad tracks used to be. They had to be moved because of all the flooding. And right on the school grounds at night, but even sometimes early in the evening, you can see a man with a lantern out there where the tracks used to be. I saw her one time with my mommy. She got scared. I thought it was neat. <laughs> at the Carton Plantation Cemetery in Franklin, which makes me think of Frankenstein, on the row where the soldiers are buried, are the graves of twin brothers. When you stand near the graves, they will take your ankles. It's true. I felt it happen to me. <laughs> Don't forget about Gwendolyn's house. It has ghost dogs chasing a little girl. Well, as the days went by, the closer it got to Halloween, the spookier the stories came. The next morning, Grace was out front, knowing that Stan would arrive shortly. The old lady with the lightning bugs called out to her. 
Good morning, Grace. How are you coming on with your stories? Pretty good. Almost finished with my list. I've got some wonderful, quaint little stories. This is such a charming place. So full of helpful, sweet people and funny stories. Mm-hmm. Is your list complete or do you have room to add more people? I have a few folks in mind. You might learn something from them. Oh, that would be so helpful. Could you give me their names and where am I? At this, the old lady grabbed Grace's notebook and wrote down directions to a house and gave the notebook back. Yes, sir. I think you could learn a lot from that person. Well, I got biscuits in the oven. A good morning to you. Good morning, Stan. Um, I have a change of plans. I've got a new person to visit. The directions say drop me off on the dirt road about a mile up this way. Then to walk down the path, and I'll be there. Will you do that? Sure. I had a lunch packed. Oh, that was so thoughtful. Maybe later. I was told I could learn a lot here, and then I'll be almost done with my book and ready for the next assignment, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. No problem. Stan agreed to drop her off. But he did mind. He minded that she would miss their picnic lunch. And he minded that she would be heading off to her new assignment, wherever that may be. He chided himself for thinking there may have been some light, some kindling between the two of them. He dropped her off, finished his route, drove past the old dirt road again to see if she'd finished her interview, and then drove home alone. That evening, Grace was livid. She marched to the old woman's home and found her on the porch, trying to catch more lightning bugs. But few were around anymore for the season. Why? Good evening, Grace. Why? Why did you send me there? I've sent you lots of places. Can you be more specific? You know what I mean. That was a dirty trick you played on me. Mrs. Scott is right. I shouldn't talk to you. It was a mean thing to do. How could you send me over there? You met him then. Good for you. It was... I don't even have a word for it. I can't believe you had me go over there and sit with that... That... Person. Human being. Remember, I told you to go in as Grace. To be open to the possibilities. I'll never in a million years be able to tell that story. Not in these histories. Not in any novel I might write later on. It was grotesque. What was? His life? He was born differently. It was more than that, and you know it. It was nothing more than that, and you know it. You did that to me on purpose. Yes, I did. I wanted you to get stories, and I wanted to help you understand what it is to get a story. But you tricked me. I trusted you, and you tricked me into sitting with that monster. I've never seen or heard anything like it before. Monster? Witch? I thought you were enjoying your witch stories and your monster stories. You found them charming, not grotesque, remember? This was real. They're all real. Each person condemned as a monster or a witch or any other label that dehumanizes them. They're all human beings. Words like witch and monster are used to disappear that fact. They're people. We're all people. We each have a story to be told. 
I'll never be able to write a story about that person. Look, Grace, if all you want are nice, sweet, quaint little stories for your history book, by all means, go out and publish them. Just ask yourself, are those the stories you want to leave behind? You've got a great responsibility on your shoulders. You are the writer for the Federal Writers Project. What do you want the next generation to know about us? That we're funny people or do funny things? Or do you want them to know that the strong people they come from and everything they overcame in the face of truly dark times, how they have found their way into the light? Or if that's the case, then you've got to do and be courageous enough to listen to those dark stories or else the light in them won't mean a thing. It's your job to find a way to tell each person's story, not just the quaint little popular people. Now I've got to go get another jar. Grace walked home in the dark and cried. How could she write this story? It was her job. An idea came to her. The sun had not yet come up when she pulled the final paper from the typewriter and walked back to the old lady's house. For the first time, she looked at the name on the mailbox, unused for decades, covered with vines and moss. M. Wright. As Grace got closer to the porch, she saw a figure rocking in the chair. Good morning, Grace. I did some thinking last night. And some writing. You found a way to tell his story without a label. I think so. A handmade cinder block stood at the end of a long dirt path. A row that had not been named since it was carved out of the parcel of land when it was bought more than a decade ago. Some remember those as easier times, but not to the one who lived there, isolated. The milk truck never went down this road. No vehicle had ever come down it for eight years since the telegram delivery with less than ten words. He has died. Stop. He has still not forgiven you. Stop. These days were easier days, not because of the death. The death continued to cause grief on a nearly daily basis. Knowing there would be no welcome to lay flowers, to sit by the stone and talk, the the deaf gave no peace or solace, but the land, this, this piece of property bought with the funds given in hopes that the receiver would travel far away, this land made life more bearable. A self sufficient farm, animals, crops, honey, milk, wool, thread, all made here, so no contact from the outside world was necessary, which is a good thing because the outside world preferred it that way. A life tucked away but not forgotten. No distance in time could erase that memory or allow acceptance then, now, and most likely ever. It was a life lived on an unnamed road, a vain attempt at anonymity. Thank you, Grace. I can't let this go until I find something out. Why didn't you tell me you were Margaret? When you knew all this time I was looking for her, You. You never asked me. You were running around looking for a name. You missed the people along the way. You tricked me. And then saying what you did? What about 14 grandchildren? What did you mean? Mrs. Scott said you know things. You call things down on people. That's nonsense. I don't call down anything. Then why say that when you know I've never been married... And at this age, I likely won't. It was another mean thing, 
Why? I thought we were friends. I haven't had friends since I was seven years old. When I started having my dreams, I did have friends then. William and... I can't remember his sister's name now. I had this dream. I went to their house and their mama said we couldn't play until we watered all these flowers outside. There was a stream. We could see the fish, me and Lizzie. Lizzie, that was her name. William was gone. And there was one long purple fish just rolling, not swimming, tumbling over the rocks. I yelled, William, don't go, and woke up. Daddy came back from town the next day and said, did you hear about William? The mule throwed him on some rocks and broke his neck. He said, go gather up some flowers for the funeral. I did, the ones we watered in my dream. Mama said I shouldn't share my visions. I said, Mama, it's just a dream, but it wasn't, it was real. I wanted to change the things I saw. Mama said, it's no use, you're only seeing what God's already put in place. I tried anyway. People just got scared, so I stopped. But this one time, I had a dream I wasn't sure of. Our neighbor was gonna have a baby. I saw two babies, or I saw the same baby twice. One way, it was alive and the room was lit. The other way, neither the baby or the mama was alive. The room was dark, and I could see the breath, the last breath, cold in the moonlight in darkness and so I took it as a sign there's two ways this can go I seen them both so I had to tell I felt like God was working through me Lizzie get some lanterns make sure you have lanterns and make sure you have a lantern lit each night until that baby is born what are you doing here I I'm not trying to scare you just please listen it's about the baby you leave my baby out of this promise me you'll have a lantern burning every night until you have that baby I'm not listening to you you called death down on William I didn't call it down on him I was trying to warn you I know I shouldn't have now that was a long time ago Please, Lizzie, listen. Let me help you. You've got to make sure you burn a lantern until that baby is born. Keep a light on in your room. Get out of here. You're not going to scare this baby out of me. Get out of here before I call my husband. It was November on a full moon. Babies and full moons. The full moon called the baby home a month early on a Saturday while her husband was in town. Took him till night to get home. By then... It was too late. The labor must have come on early in the day. The fire was out. None of the lanterns were lit. I had to try to change what I saw. I knew the town might come after me, but I couldn't turn my back on Lizzie or anyone else who might be alone in the dark. That's why you sent me where you did. To that person. That person is a human. The monsters in this world are our own making. To them, I am a monster. There was even talk about burning down my house, but people were too afraid I might call something down on them. So they did something worse. They left me alone, but I'm not in the dark. And you're not alone. I wanna tell this story. I want people to know you. What about that editor of yours? If he cuts it, I'll tell it anyway to my children, 
my grandchildren, all 14 of them, right? I've given away too much already. Then I guess I'll have to wait. But I'm going to name my first child after you, Margaret. I don't think he'd like that very much. Okay, no more. I ain't telling another word. Don't say that. I want to hear all your stories. Others will, too. I've got an idea. I continued driving Grace to her interviews. The editor sent her out for more stories, thought she was exaggerating. He was sure no one would believe them. He obviously didn't know East Tennessee. Grace moved in with Margaret to continue writing. Into the old dark house, I called it. Grace invited me over for tea. She invited a bunch of us over to hear the stories she'd collected. We liked Grace. And even more, we wanted to hear what she wrote about us. Margaret, this is the person I wanted you to meet. Mr. Murphy. Call me Cleta. So you're the one... You've been talking about me? You gotta watch her. She's got a mouth on her. Yeah, she does. I can hear you. Of course you can. You aren't deaf. Hey, look at this lantern you got. I got me one of those at home. Nature's electricity, I call it. I didn't plan to be there more than a minute. None of us did. But something happens when you start hearing stories. Will you read my story next? Oh, tell me the one about Grandma again. Here we were, ordinary folks, but not nearly as ordinary as we used to think. Stan, sweetheart, won't you come sit with us? What she sees in me, I'll never know. I'm just glad she does. I looked around the room, strangers becoming friends. We started talking to each other and looking at each other in a whole new light. When we take the time, we can be the light for each other because no one should be alone in the dark. I'm not sure what Grace was looking for when she came here, but I know that when Grace fell into our lives, it was amazing. Amazing Grace indeed when you come to know each other's stories, no matter how different they may be from your own. That's all we have for our show tonight. We'd like to thank the Tennessee Arts Commission for their generous support. And the Wild Women of Jonesboro for sponsoring this season. We also want to thank Gary and Sandy Degner for their sponsorship. Thanks for joining us tonight. And if you've got any suggestions for some stories that you want, just get in touch with us. We're here for you, and these are your stories, too. Thanks so much, and good night.